This episode of the Golf Science Lab podcast is sponsored by Rapsodo. Rapsodo makes an affordable mobile launch monitor for any golfer. We all know that to get better, we need better feedback when practicing, and Rapsodo gives you just that. Things like distance, club head speed, ball speed, launch angle, and some really valuable information to help you play your best. They have put this thing up against some of the best launch monitors and have seen really good results when comparing it. It's accurate. I've tested it. We've done some videos. You can go check out what we've seen and all the details over on our YouTube channel. Use the discount code GSL for a really good discount. That is the discount code GSL or click the link on the post that goes along with this podcast. All right, let's get into it. We're on a mission to help golfers from all over the world achieve their goals by understanding what it actually takes to play their best golf. We're talking with leading instructors, researchers, and players themselves to find what is actually working. Hey, thanks for joining us today. You are listening to one of our partner shows. It is the Tour Coach Podcast with Tony Ruggiero. He has some phenomenal guests on talking about teaching tour pros. He'll have his players on. Just always a great show. Today was another great episode. I want to share that with you here on the Golf Science Lab Podcast. Let's get into it. Sitting in here on the Tour Coach Podcast with Colt Nose. Colt, I know you're busy. Lots of media obligations now. Thanks for sitting in with me here on the Tour Coach Podcast. Tony, I'm always happy to make time for you. Oh, that flattery gets you everywhere with me. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know it's broken down teaching pros. Obviously, long career as a player. One, you know, U.S. Amateur, Publinks, two wins, I believe, on the Nationwide Tour, if I'm correct, yeah. uh, and played on the PGA Tour. And now you retired from golf really because of injury, if I'm not mistaken, right? I mean, you battled injuries a lot, especially towards the end of your career. Yeah, my last two seasons, you know, I had two surgeries on my left hand, which probably resulted from the way I swung the golf club. <laughs> I actually learned how, through Mark Blackburn, I actually learned how to swing the golf club properly now, and I actually have no pain, which is very, very nice. But, yeah, for the most part, I mean, my, my career definitely ended because of my left hand and the surgeries I had on it. What I wanted to talk to you about today is I always like as a teacher, you know, Colt, I teach a lot of young guys coming up, you know, through the years, guys that go from junior golf to college and to the tour and obviously have some guys that have been out there. But I always like to pick brains of folks that have been out there, had success coming up through college, a lot of success as an amateur, played professional, and then when they're, when they're done, kind of pick their brain and figure out like, hey, if you had things to do over again, like if you look back as a player – you know, are there things that you would change about how you came up or what you did or, you know, how you worked on your game, those types of things? I mean, for me, I don't think I was ever going to be able to gain 40 yards. You know, I was right. one of the shortest guys out there. But I made my money and, you know, succeeded in other ways. I was a great putter, and I was a great, you know, long, long iron to hybrid player. And that's kind of what I had. I had to be good or else I was never going to make it on tour. And so, yeah, you know, I mean, looking back, like maybe I I got in the gym and focused more on fitness and stuff. I'm a bigger guy, but I mean that's easy to say now. But right. at the same time, say I went and lost 30 pounds and got stronger, what happens to my golf swing? It might not. Right. You know, I might struggle. I don't know. But I knew what I was doing was keeping me on tour. There's always things you wish you you did differently, but I just think the game has evolved a lot in the last 10 years. 
and it's kind of made guys like me irrelevant, which sucks, but at the same time, it's kind of how sports work. I mean, all sports evolve over time. Right. Things change, which, you know, that's that's great. I feel like some of the artistry has been taken out of golf, which I don't like. You know, mm-hmm. I, I said this on a podcast yesterday. I said, imagine if Corey Pavin and Justin Leonard came out right now, coming out of college. They wouldn't have a job. <laughs> right. Know? I mean, the way they play golf, I mean, it was beautiful. And they were very, very successful. They're major champions. But they couldn't, they couldn't compete nowadays. I mean, you can't give up 100 yards to a guy and expect that, to beat him. It's just not possible. But it also seems like, you know, it used to be when you would talk about players, you'd say, oh, well, this guy doesn't hit it very far, but he's a great wedge player, great chipper, great putter. Now the guys that vomit, I mean, they're great wedge players, chippers, and putters too. It's not like just because a guy hits it far now, he can't chip and putt. <laughs> and that's one thing I don't think Bryson gets enough credit for. You know, like all the talk about Bryson is how far he hits it. But he's a top ten putter on the PGA Tour. Like I'm like, this guy's really good at a lot of things. At Wingfoot, yeah. when he won, all that was talked about was how far he hit it. But yet he was seventh in driving distance that week. So there were six guys that hit it further than him that week. But he was number two in putting and scrambling. I'm like, he did mm-hmm. a lot of other things that week to win, other than just hit it far. Yeah, I, you know, Andy Ogletree played in the group in front of him the first two rounds at Wingfoot. And so I was walking some of that and watching him where he hit it. And everybody talked about how far he hit it, which he did hit it far. I'm not saying it wasn't far. But to me, was amazed at how he pitched and wedged the ball and then lag putted for on some of those greens where you'd get 50, 60 feet long run through. Like how he handled those. Like to me, that was the difference between how he played and, you know, some of the other guys the rest of that week. Yeah, and at the end of the day, I mean, the maximum amount of times you can hit the driver is 14. Right, mm-hmm. and you're shooting 65 to 70, so you're looking at, I mean, 50 other shots that matter. I mean, the putting is what it comes down to. And yeah. for him, I mean, he puts it unbelievable with the, you know, the shaft up the arm. He's very scientific with his putting and all that. He doesn't get near enough credit for that. I mean, yeah, the driver's a huge deal, but at the end of the day, the, the most amount of strokes is going to you're going to use the driver's 14. So there's right. a lot of other things Good he point. does very very well. You touched on it. Like, it's hard for me. Like, I'll get college kids. I've got a couple college kids that are really good players, play at big schools, but don't hit it very far, right? And it's harder nowadays than it used to be even five years ago to say, oh, well, if you just become a great chipper and a great wedge player, you can figure out. Because, like you said, it is getting to the point where if you don't hit it a certain distance, I mean, it's, you know, the game is becoming one-dimensional, and it does kind of leave out some of the – you know, you said artistry, like where you teach kids that there's a bunch of different ways to get it done and to find your strength and figure out how to beat people with what you do well. The way the game's gone certainly has changed that, and it seems like most teachers, I'm not saying I'm any different, like you're focusing on getting young folks in the gym and learning how to hit it further and further. It's kind of what you yeah. have to do. I think all the teachers nowadays, and, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, when you take a young kid and you and you bring him in and start teaching him, I mean, the number one goal is let's hit it far, and we'll worry yeah. about hitting it straight later. Like, yeah. it's just like let's let's create as much speed as we can, and then we'll figure out the rest later on. I would love to talk to college coaches and see if like recruiting recruiting has changed over the years. Like, okay, here's a guy that plays pretty good, but he doesn't hit it very far. Should we bring him on our team? Yeah. Because in my mind, you're not going to see any college kids nowadays that come out right out of school onto the Corn Ferry Tour or the PJ Tour that play the golf the way I did. But right. No. That does. No. I mean, they all they all fly at 300 yards, and it's just that's how the game is now. There's no no kids that work their way around the golf course anymore. 
Yeah, and don't you think that, like, though, I mean, and, and I mean, I don't want to be one of those guys that sits around saying the beer used to be colder and cheaper back when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, to me, there were some parts of that that were more fun from a teaching and coaching and playing where, like, you'd go play against a guy, you'd play with two or three people, and they all had different strengths and they all had different ways to shoot it, you know, to play a great round of golf or win a golf tournament. I mean, it isn't that way as much anymore. I mean, now you go out there, you can look at the golf course, and you're like, okay, well, these 10 guys, the way they're hitting it and, and how they do it, I mean, they're most likely they're going to have a chance to win the golf tournament. It's not that hard to me anymore to pick five or six guys each week and have a real good chance of them being up there in the tour, in the tour event. I totally agree with you. I'm, I mean, I'm a huge golf fan. I watch every yeah. single tournament. If I'm not working it, I still watch every single golf tournament. And I can, I'm the same way. I can tell you, going into this week at Riviera, there's not going to be a short hitter that wins that golf tournament. It's just no. not going to happen. I mean, every single year, you get Dustin Johnson, you get Bubba Watson, J.B. Holmes, Keegan Bradley, all these bombers up on that leaderboard every single year. And there's certain yep. golf courses that are like that. Now, there's a handful of golf tournaments every year that the short guy compete on. You know, you got, your Harbor, you got your Harbor Towns, you got your Colonial. But you go to, like, I remember I was, I think I was 50th on the FedEx Cup in 2016 heading into the playoffs. Okay. And, the, and, the, and the playoff events were... Best Page Black, then TPC Boston, and Crooked Stick. Like, you couldn't have more bombers golf courses. And Andy right. Pazner, who is very high up on the PGA Tour, looked at me and started laughing. He goes, yeah, that's in a good year, good year for you. And I, <laughs> I went miscut, miscut, and finished 72 on the, on the points list and didn't even make it to Crooked Stick. But it was like, I mean, there's no possible way a guy that plays golf the way I do can compete at uh, Best right. Page Black. You just can't. Yeah, and that's why I think from an instruction, and I know Mark does a lot of this as well, is like with these young players, you get them in the gym and with people that are really good at what they do, and you, you know, if they're really serious about doing it nowadays, they have to address that early and learn how to hit it far early, or they're, I mean, it, there's just such a, such a low ceiling on what they can do past, you know, past a certain point. Yeah, but like, Tony, I'd be interested to hear your thought. Like, for me, you know, I'm five foot eight, I'm obviously mm-hmm. a bigger guy, like, I'm never going to gain 40 yards no matter yeah. what I do. So, like, which is unfortunate because I'm very, very good at a lot of things in the game yeah. of golf. I'm just oh, not know. good at hitting it far. So oh. that's why I feel like it kind of sucks because yeah. there's going to be a lot of kids growing up that are very, very talented around the greens and stuff like that. But it doesn't matter because they can't fly the ball 300 yards. And I feel like they don't have the opportunity to, to succeed on the PGA Tour with the way things have, have changed over the years. I teach a kid, one in particular really good player, college player. I mean, he literally chips it and putts it as good as most of the tour players I teach, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, he is getting stronger and all that stuff. But I mean, like to say he's going to hit it 305, it isn't going to happen. Right. Yeah. And that to me is sad. Like, because like, here's like, here's a guy that loves the game too. And I mean, has a great personality. I mean, like we need, we need, we also need people that are, you know, that love the game and aren't just robots you know, coming along too. I mean, we don't need just everybody to be the same. I don't know that that's good for the long-term golf either for the growth of the game is if everybody just can hit it 350 and everybody swing, everybody looks the same and hits it the same. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, at some point, I mean, if it's going to be everybody hits it 350, I mean, why even have a maintenance crew to mow the fairways? Just make it all rough and let's just just let it go. I mean, it's yeah. not going to matter. But it is. Like, it's sad for guys like that because there is other ways to play the game and be very, very successful. But to get on the PGA Tour, you know, you got to go through the Corn Ferry Tour now, and that's even more of a bomber's paradise, in my opinion, than the PGA Tour. I mean, you just go out there and smash it. There's no rough. 
and you just chip it up on the greens and you make a lot of money and do that and you get out on the PGA Tour. It's just changed so much. And Yeah. I think it's way easier. Like, I'll use a guy I teach, like, Robbie Shelton isn't the longest guy, right? Mm-hmm. But he hits it far enough. But, like, it was, in my opinion, it was harder for him to get off the Corn Ferry Tour than it was to stay on the PGA Tour because the golf courses are harder and he hits it far enough. But where it's no rough, wide open, and you can just bomb at 350, a guy like that has, a, I mean, he won a couple times, obviously. But, like, it takes, I mean, to me, that's it's harder for that guy to get to the tour than it is to stay on the tour at times. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it, I'm playing out there. I mean, you know, the Corn Ferry Tour is a great tour, but mm-hmm. the golf courses are nothing like they are on the PGA Tour. I mean, like you said, they're wide open. They don't really care about, I mean, they care about having a Corn Ferry Tour event, but they don't get it ready to make right. it very difficult or anything like that. I mean, there's no rough. Or anything. So you just send it down there. It's a wedge and a putter contest. I mean, it's, like if you're, if you're back there playing from 280, which I don't even think 280 is even relevant nowadays. Like you said, Robbie Shelton's not long. I'm guessing he probably still averages 290. Yeah, I mean, he still hits it over three, right? Or at oh, okay, three. so he hits yeah. it over 300 yards. I mean, that's what's nuts. I think when I came on tour in 2009, I think there was 21 guys that averaged over 300. Mm-hmm. And now it's, God, you probably know the number. I mean, it's probably over... 80. Yeah, it's, average, a, it's over a bunch. 300. Yeah, it's not. It's crazy. I think the <laughs> average ball speed when I came on tour, and this is just, I mean, this is 13 years ago. The average ball speed was probably like 164, 165, and now it's 175. Crazy. It's crazy. I mean, and, they, and they keep going up. Oh, know? yeah. And it's going to continue. And, it ain't going to stop. Lucas Glover and I were talking about this one day, and he was saying, you know, when he came out on tour, he was one of the longer guys, mm-hmm. right? You know, and always been a good driver of the golf ball. Well, like now, he's middle of the pack. And he hits it further than he did when he came out. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, like one thing, like when I talk to guys now when I go out and do TV and stuff, like I think it's a compliment, but at the same time, they're like, it's surprising how long you made it out here. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, well, it is a compliment. Thank, thank you, I, I think. think. Yeah, no, it is. But, I mean, I just always looked at it as a challenge and something I embraced. Like I, I knew what I was good at, and I knew there were certain weeks. I was never going to win 45, but I could play well there every week. Mm-hmm. Like it's just one of those places where I embrace hitting hybrids and long irons and stuff like that. That's part of my game. I mean, and I, I think I have a better chance there than going to a place that's an absolute wedge fest and guys are going to drive it up there 50 yards from the green on every hole. Yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, I love playing more than anything. But at the same time, I knew my, my time had come and passed, and there were just certain golf courses I couldn't compete on anymore. And it, it is kind of sad because, like, places like TPC Scottsdale, which I love, right. these guys, I mean, there's – and you watch, you watch it on TV – there is, they totally disregard the rough. They don't care, which it's, it just shocked me because I always thought hitting it straight was a skill. <laughs> and yeah. now it's oh. like, now it's like, you know what? I'm going to hit it up there as far as I can, and I can hit it close from 110 yards out of the rough and stop it because the greens aren't crazy firm. And I'm going to beat the guy that's playing from 170 in the fairway nonstop, which I agree with, but I just hate that hitting it in that fairway, which is supposed to be, a reward doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. And I think that's why, like, you know, when you take the majors and they do grow, the everybody talks about, like, making these golf courses longer and longer. To me, that does nothing because everybody, the long guy still has a huge advantage. The guy hits a 350. I, I use two examples when, I, when everybody talks about the length, okay? We had the, we had the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills, which was supposed to be so brutal, so mm-hmm. long, 7,700 yards. Brooks Kepka shoots 18 under par. Because Correct. the fairways were 50 yards wide. It didn't matter. Okay? And then you go to Medina for a FedEx Cup playoff event, which, once again, everybody thought was going to be so brutal, so hard. Justin Thomas shot 25 under par. Yeah. Like, it, 
And then the week following the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills was Travelers, but 6,800 yards in 12 yep. under par wins there. Right. Because they had rough, green for bouncy. That's the only way you can you can contain these guys is with firmness. And I, I think you would probably agree. Oh, the, yeah. If, if they lose control once the ball hits the ground, they tend to struggle. Correct. If there's some rough that's penalized, like, if you can make – and now I know that every week you can't make the greens firm. I mean, Mother Nature, right. you can't control it. For sure. But if you can get the greens to bounce, it totally changes everything for these guys. You look at what was the place they had BMW at last year? Olympia Fields. Right. In Illinois. Four under par. John Rahman, Dustin Johnson in a playoff. Because the place was concrete. Correct. And I love seeing that. Because you actually have to think your way around the golf course. And you're like, okay, we got 160. Well, at a lot of places it's 160. Okay, perfect. We're flying at 160. There, it's like, okay, we got to fly at 151, bounce, and, you know, long's no good, short's no good. we gotta, we got to think our way around, which is yeah. something that doesn't happen all the time on the PGA Tour, and that's how you challenge that. I mean, a place like Harbortown, no matter – you can't make it a yard longer. It's stretched right. out as possible as it <laughs> and it still gives players hell every single year. Yeah. And, you know, like, to me, it shouldn't be that hard to figure out. Like, you know <laughs> – I agree with you. Right? Like, but yet every, but they keep going the longer and longer and longer. And like, that does, to me, doesn't solve the equation at all. Whereas, like, to me, it's so obvious, especially when you watch some of the majors and you, you look that like, well, if they just, when they get it firm and really baked out and there's just, it doesn't even, if you get it real firm to me, you don't even have to have rough that's crazy long to where they got to hack it out. They're still going to struggle. Yeah. And and if you look at all the, like, When's the last time a new golf course was built that resembles a harbor town? Yeah, I, I mean, can't think of one. Yeah, exactly. There's not, and I'm like, look at this place. This place is special. Like mm-hmm. it's so different than anything we play on the PGA Tour. And I think that's why not only is it the week after the Masters, but it draws such a great field because it's so different and it's so much fun for guys to play. Like it's not about hitting the fairway at Harbor Town. It's about hitting the right part of the fairway. Like you can't just blow it up there. And you're like, oh, cool, I hit another fairway. But now there's a tree overhanging, and i got to hook something or fade something around it. Like, I just love when you, you make players think. Like, I, I just think it's, it's something that's been taken out of the game, and I feel like it's unfortunate because there's a guy, like I said, I brought up Justin Leonard earlier. Like, no one managed their game and thought their way around the golf course better than he did. Right. And I mean, here's a guy who probably is going to be a Hall of Famer, I would imagine, at one point. I mean, he's one of, he's one of players, a major championship, and won how many ever times. And yeah. if he was in today's game, he would be irrelevant. He'd be a guy mm-hmm. trying to keep it, trying to fight to keep his card every year. Yeah. And he was a top ten player in the world in the nineties. Shows you how much the game's changed. Exactly. So you were around a long time. That doesn't mean you're old. I mean, but uh, <laughs> but obviously, and you ended up you work with you did a lot of work. Still work with Mark. How have you seen it as a guy that tried to you know as you were out there and you're working and you're always trying to get better? How has the instruction? changed from your eyes over the years that you've played the game? I always like to ask guys that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's crazy. You know, I grew up working with Randy Smith, who's one of the all-time yep. greats. And Legend. He's the old school guy. You know, he was never any technology, never any camera or anything like that. It was just, you know, he was a guy that, you know, the, the shot created the golf swing compared to let's try to swing two degrees out, four degrees up, stuff like that. It was mm-hmm. whenever you were struggling with, like, Randy Smith, it was, okay, Let's go out there and work the golf ball and just sort it out. Now it's like you get on you get on all this 3D motion, track band, all this, which is awesome stuff. It's really, really cool. And I think, you know, when I first started, I started golf late. I was 13 years old. But 
I mean, that was 1998. Back then it was, you know, we were all about making a square face, all that. It was just all about hitting it straight. Now you see these guys like Dustin Johnson got criticized when he came out about having a, such a shut face and all this. And I think that's the future, in my opinion. Yeah. You might disagree, but, like, you look at guys like Victor Hovland and stuff like that, like, I want a bowed left wrist, I want the club face shut, and I want to rotate my body as hard as possible. Because the club face is so much more stable, and under pressure, I think that's the way to play golf. I agree 100% with you. I think that when you look at the best players out there, to me, the guys that, I mean, I'm, any, we put this up, there's going to be a gazillion people on the internet point out a bunch of exceptions. But, you know, like, you look at really good players, to me, I mean, their club face is super stable going through the ball, you mm-hmm. know, and they have the ability to create, being able to really, you know, use their pivot and use their body to create that. And then they're able to deliver that club with not a lot of, you know, not a lot of motion going through there. And I think they just, they hit it harder and it doesn't really curve and it just kind of goes wherever the hell they're pointing at the time. Yeah. You look at guys, like two of the greatest that ever played the game, Phil Mickelson and BJC, you know, you, you break down their swing in slow motion. You almost see, you know, their bottom mm-hmm. hand come off the club right. after impact because they're using so much hands. And nowadays, you don't see that. And, like, in my opinion, I think one of the best ball strikers on the PGA Tour is Victor Hovland. Agree. Young kid. And you look at that club face through impact, it doesn't move. Mm-hmm. It is so stable. It is unbelievable. And that's why he might not be a Hall of Famer or win 100 times, but i tell you this, he ain't ever going to lose that PGA Tour card. He's no, going to be a factor every year because nothing can go wrong. Don't you think that's a recipe to make a load of money on the PGA Tour? <laughs> it is. This is a guy, he's got a, he, he sucks at chipping, he admits it, but it doesn't matter because he hits it so damn good. He might miss a couple of cuts here and there, but for the yeah. most part, this guy is going to be just an absolute ATM because of the way yeah. he swings the golf club. And when I, when I first started, I mean, the bowed left wrist was kind of like frowned upon. Like right. That wasn't something you were in. It was more of a cup wrist and, you know, a square club face. And now it's like, Okay, these young kids, let's bow the shit out of that left wrist, get the club face shut, and you just use your body to square the face. Yeah. And I, and I, and I mean, that's just how it is. No question. I think one of the real testaments to teachers, too, is like you take a guy like Randy Smith. And, I, I mean, Randy's – I mean, he's a legend. And you look at how he's been able to still teach players that are good through the ages. Like, you know, he's got players out there now that are really good, right? I mean, I think that's a testament to how great a teacher he is, is because I think that, I think on the teaching side, just like it's hard as a player to evolve and to adapt, I mean, sometimes it's it's hard as a teacher to, to say, hey, maybe we need to do a little more of this tech, or maybe we need to, you know, Randy's figured out he's got to use some tech because all the kids know how to mm-hmm. use that stuff, you know? For sure, and I think there's some teachers that if you took the technology away, they wouldn't know what the hell they're talking about. Thousands. And that's one thing I think that makes Randy so great. I mean, he's got Scotty Scheffler out there on mm-hmm. tour. He's got Ryan Palmer out there on tour. And I said, you know, Jordan Spieth's starting to play better golf now. But Jordan's a good buddy of mine, and I've said it to him before. Like, and I think Cameron McCormick's a great teacher. But when things are going wrong, maybe you go just spend a day with someone else like he did with Butch Harmon. Yeah. But I thought Randy Smith would be perfect for Jordan Spieth because, you know, has a little bit of an unorthodox swing, you know, the chicken wing and all this. But Randy could just get all those technical thoughts out. Yeah. I was like, just go spend a day with Randy on the range. No one will know. He's right there in Dallas. And just get some feel back. Get some of the artistry back in your game, because that's what made Jordan Spieth great. I thought when he was struggling, it would be a perfect fit. Now he's back to playing good golf, which is very, very nice to see. But yeah, How good is that to see? It's, I mean, and it back-to-back weeks, so it wasn't just like it was a, a pop-up. He was in contention. 
you know, it was back to back weeks and everything seems to be pointing that he's playing, that he's back to play in his type of golf. It is. And I, I say it all the time. I'm like, Jordan Spieth is good for the game of golf. There's no doubt about that. I mean, everyone loves him. I mean, it was very, very obvious to me at Phoenix, at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. I went out there on Sunday to support him. You know, he tees off there 5,000 fans, and everybody was following that last group. And yeah. there was no secret who everyone was rooting for. Oh, like, it was. I mean, it was a star-studded field, but they were rooting for Jordan Speed. And I think, even though there was no fans at Pebble, I think it was kind of the same way at Pebble Beach. I mean, everyone wants to see this kid succeed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he gets he gets beat up in the media and, and, you know, his game gets picked apart and all this. He could stop right now, Tony, and he's a Hall of Famer. You're like, exactly right, yeah. I mean, and he's 27 years old. I'm like, we got to give this kid a little bit of a break. I mean, he was a Hall of Famer at 24. I mean, he won mm-hmm. three major championships and 11 times on the PGA Tour. Like, the kid's done unbelievable things, and then they just absolutely just – tear him apart in the media, which I feel like is kind of unfair. I mean, can you imagine being 24 years old and having the world at your fingertips and being one of the most famous people in the, on the planet? Like, it, it would probably be kind of hard to yeah. hard to handle. I'm the same way with this. You know, there's obviously some really good with social media, and I can't say that it, it parts some of it doesn't help my business. But, like, you, you sit there and you read some of the things that people say about, yeah, I mean, there's tons of players and their teachers and their coaches, and you're like, oh, sometimes after like six classes of wine, I just want to like go on and uh, go like, dude, like you've never taught anybody that's won a junior club championship. Why the hell are you going to sit there and criticize something a tour player and his teacher have done? I mean, you didn't sit in on the lesson. You don't know what the hell's going on. It's it, it's a joke. And that's sorry, I got on my soapbox a little bit. That thing pisses me off on social media, though. Let me tell you this one. This is this is great. This happened Sunday night. So I'm flying home from Pebble Beach, and Kevin Stroman is on the same flight as me. And we're mm-hmm. sitting in baggage. We're sitting in baggage claim, and this guy comes up to us. He's like, "Hey guys, you know how's it going? Love watching you know, all this." He goes, "What's wrong with Jordan Speed?" <laughs> and, like, and I'm like, "What? Do, what do you mean?" He goes, "I just don't think he's a closer. I don't think he has it in him." And I go, "Sir, I have no idea who you are, but the man's won three major championships and eleven times on the PGA Tour. He's a Hall of Famer. He's 27 years old. What do you mean he can't close?" Yeah, I'm like, I mean, he's won more majors than Dustin Johnson has. What do you mean he's not a closer? I just laugh at this. I'm like, you didn't say this four years ago when he was winning everything in right. sight. But now all of a sudden, he, you know, he has 254-0 leads after being at rock bottom in, with his golf game, and he doesn't happen to close them out, and now he can't close? Like, I don't I, – it just it blew – I just started laughing. I was like, sir, you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> go get your bag and go home. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, and that is one of the – and I have to be careful. Like, sometimes you just get fired up because, like, if you're out there, you know a lot of the folks, right? And you yeah. pull for people. I mean, I think that's one thing people don't realize. Like, if, if uh, one of Mark's guys wins a tournament, I mean, I, I, I'm always trying to be one of the – I text, man, congratulations, great. I think if you're out there, you know how hard people work at trying to do it. Oh. And, and then you see – yeah, and then you see these jerk-offs, you know, that – you know, I mean, they – the worst to me are the teachers that have never taught anybody, but then you get the public that too, that's just like, you know, and they're just hammering guys left and right. And, you know, it's like, come on, you know, you can't break 85. They don't have any clue how hard it is out there. It's so hard. It is ridiculous. And I, I love, I love slash hate it. I love sitting yeah. around people like when a golf tournament's on TV and just hearing <laughs> the comments, the comments, because like I, you know, there was no fans allowed at Pebble Beach. So I finished up my work for golf channel and I went and sat at the tap room with Jay Danzi, who is Jordan's agent, and his wife, yeah. Annie. And we're sitting there watching, and they have no idea. 
who's sitting in front of him, and just the comments from the peanut gallery about yeah. Jordan Smith's golf game, what he needs to do to get back. And I'm like, you guys have no clue what you're talking about. So that, to me, it's partially very, very entertaining because I just, at some point I want to turn around and be like, let me tell you what's really going on. Because yeah. here's Jordan Spieth, who, I mean, arguably works as hard as anyone. I mean, you can't give him enough credit for how he handled the bad stuff. Oh. I mean, he never said anything wrong. He never whined. He never moaned. Nothing. He handled it like a true professional. I think that's why everybody loves Jordan. And yeah, I think the other now, thing, too, that's cool is he never made excuses, you all. know, and which I respect because, like, it's easy to – got to be easy to, like, say you were hurt or, you know, you're doing whatever. But, like, man, to go through all that, to never make an excuse and to just say, hey, it's hard and I'm keeping working, I mean, a lot of respect. I mean, how could you not respect Jordan Spieth? And, I mean, you look at what happened at the 2016 Masters. I mean, he, he blew it. There's no doubt about it. He gave that tournament to Danny Willett. But you look at his back and he wins the 2017 Open Championship. Look at John Vandeveld. You know, winning a major is very, very hard. He blew a major championship. You never heard yep. of him again. No. And that's one thing you got to give Jordan Spieth credit is he bounced back. And, yeah, he's been through some tough times. But, I mean, he's still 27 years old. Like, he's still a huge future ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Colt, this has been awesome. Man, I appreciate you sitting in. Fun to do. And and also, I mean, the golf subpar podcast, the stuff you're doing. And I know you were a great player and enjoyed your time out. I mean, you're awesome on the media side and so good for golf, in my opinion. Not that my opinion matters, but it, no, it it's awesome to watch. <laughs> Tony, thank you so much, man. I, You know, I'm having a blast with the podcast. You know, I'm just starting to find my way into TV, and I, I'm having a blast. I, I'm so happy to be out there and still pick the brains of guys like you and all the players out there. You know, I'm I'm very, very lucky to have something to do after golf, and I couldn't be happier with what's going on right now. Awesome stuff. We'll keep it up, and I look forward to seeing you out there, and we'll uh, hopefully one of these times be able to coerce you into having a beer. Uh, Beers. It's plural. Beers. (laughs) Count on it. Count on it. Yeah, I would love to. Stay, buddy, and thanks for sitting in with me. You got it.